Coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. To be honest, I'm about to rewind it a little bit. Just after my wife and I got married, we did some work in the States for a bit and then moved to Australia. And it was in Australia that we got pregnant with our first child. And because of some different complications at birth, hospital negligence, um, our baby didn't make it. So 16 hours into labor, my wife is rushed into emergency cesarean. Really for me, this was the first, you know, I'm 23 years old, 24 at the time. This is when my perfect life all of a sudden hit a wall of pain. Our daughter died in that moment. She was alive for about 30 minutes. It was a completely preventable type of thing. All the questions you have, So for me, it hit a season where I was walking through pain like I never had before. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And I would love for you to know Pastor Jeremy Hilliard. He is actually my pastor through Bethel Leadership Network. I am a total outlier and they allowed this businesswoman to be in an incredible group and it's a huge privilege. So I just got to see Jeremy at the Bethel Leadership Advance Conference and get to hear more of his story. And it's just been amazing to see you've had a lot of phases to your life. So first of all, could you just tell us some of that journey and especially the part where someone is holding a gun to your head? We want to hear this. Oh gosh, there there has been quite a few uh, episodes to to my life, but uh, you know I'm I'm a, I'm American. I'm married to an Aussie, so we've lived in both countries at different times. But grew up in Florida, and uh, yeah, in a, in a great family. Met my wife in Montana, of all places, in a town without a stoplight, on staff with an organization called Youth of the Mission. And uh, and from there, we really just started getting this heart as we were doing development work around the world to do work in Africa somewhere at some point. And uh, so that was back 20 years ago when wow. when we're just before we got married that we really get this this kind of, I guess, seed planted in us as we'd seen different things, done different things to to continue to do development work and launch an organization over there. Was she YWAM as well? She was, yep. Okay. So you have the seed, you're excited. How do American, Australian in Montana end up in Africa? What is that journey? Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's, it's a weird one, but we, when we were engaged, we really just had this, this um, kind of, I guess, a a moment, a a call from God in a a sense of saying, hey, I've I've called you. What, What I heard in the moment from, from God was I've called you to save people. And mm-hmm. later on, I realized maybe I didn't hear it, you know, precisely, or maybe I did, but it, it brought different things in me, but I, it kind of mm-hmm. lit this fire under us to, to create holistic ministry, holistic work in poor areas of Africa somewhere. We didn't know where at this, at this point. So we did over the next several years, we did scouting trips. We visited probably 60 to 70 different organizations, um, both Christian and non-Christian, political, you know, a variety of different ones all around Southern Africa. And in 2009, we did a trip, went to South Africa, landed in Cape Town. I'm staying at one point on the on this beach with our kind of the beach at our back and then looking out towards the land, 180 degree views, which is shacks and shanties. And we said, oh. okay, 
this is the spot where we're going to start being able to yeah. do things with education, social development, working with people with, you know, internal issues as well as mm-hmm. economic types of uh, types of hardship as well. So I love <laughs> it. So a big part of your story is you have a call, you have this beautiful wife, you're starting this life, you're having kids along the way and yep. tr- everything's trucking along. And then what started to happen? Because I think this is really common for business people, nonprofit space and ministry that we are doing really well until we're not. And what was yep. that journey like for you? To be honest, if I were to rewind it a little bit, just after my wife and I got married, we did some work in the States for a bit and then moved to Australia. And it was in Australia that we got pregnant with our first child. And because of some different complications at birth, hospital negligence, um, our baby didn't make it. So 16 hours into labor, my wife is rushed into emergency cesarean. And really for me, this was the first, you know, I'm 23 years old, 24 at the time. This is when my perfect life all of a sudden hit a wall of pain. And our, our daughter died in that moment. She was alive for about 30 minutes. It was a completely preventable type of thing. All the questions you have So for me, it hit a season where I was walking through pain like I never had before. And I'm the type of person, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm out there. I don't like to dwell on hard things. I'm a positive kind of individual. And I can remember walking through this and saying, I'm going to walk through this pain. But yeah. I remember three months in literally saying to my wife, okay, I'm, I'm done with feeling the pain of this. I need to yeah. move forward. And without even really realizing the extent that, uh, that this kind of wall I was putting up would have, I, I did, I put up a, a wall and I just, and I pushed forward. And from that point, right on through to us moving to South Africa, I would put up a bit of barriers to protect mm-hmm. myself as we went forward. And, and it turned into, you know, emotional barriers in many ways. And so we're powering on with this organization. It's exploding. We have five staff, 10 staff, 20 staff, 30 staff. It, we're seeing amazing things happen mm-hmm. in South Africa. Um, oftentimes in meetings with government leaders, we have hundreds of churches that we're partnering with. We're seeing thousands of students come through programs, get equipped to help themselves and their families. They're working through their internal worlds. And unlike the students, I wasn't working through my internal world as this was happening. So I'm, you know, we're having six weeks after we moved there. My my son, who was a one and a half at the time, almost died. We had to rush into the hospital. He had hyperinflated lungs and collapsed lungs and pneumonia for the next six months. We had gunmen at our house at one point. You know, my wife's going to leave with the car and they've got guns on her in the car and Luckily, she got away fine, but, you know, cars stolen, computers stolen. I've mm. seen in the, in the township areas we worked, very dangerous. And so I've seen communities killing people, you know, just in the kind of commute into work, just lots of different things. And my wife had breast cancer during the time. So as we're going through these different things, I'm putting up more barriers to protect myself to the point where I really wasn't feeling anything. I was a... I was a soldier out there just performing my way, getting a lot of identity out of the growth that was happening in our organization, the impact we were having in the city. 
Mm. And and here's here's the, here's the gun here's the gun story, Shannon. I was out one day with a filmmaker friend of mine, and we were we were out documenting the stories of all these women that had come through a lot of our economic development programs, the businesses that we'd helped them create. And we were in the worst township in the country for homicides, and a township's mm-hmm. like a, a shanty town in South Africa. And you know, a couple guys rushed my friend in the street. I ran into the fray to try and protect him. And he got inside and I turn around and this guy pulls a gun out. He's about six to eight feet away from me and just holds it at me. Mm-hmm. And and I've been here long enough to know a gun doesn't get pulled and you walk away. So in this instance, I, you know, I end up diving behind a wall. Long story short, I'm miraculously saved. We I still don't quite understand what happened, but as I look up over this little wall, this guy, you know, shoots his hands into the air like, you know, afraid, panic-stricken look on his face. And wow. him and his friends that were with him, they all go racing off down the street. And and I walk away from this instance. But when I got home that day, like every other time that I'm around volatile situations, I'm unaffected, completely mm-hmm. unaffected. Yeah. And first thing my wife says to me, she says, Jeremy, you have to feel this moment she's like you could have left me left your kids i had three kids at the time now you know fatherless like you're not invincible and and i kind of went to this point where you know i had i've been blocking out for so long not just hardships that were happening to me but you know i've got you know what i would classify as a christian as sin issues in my life i've got lies i believe since i was a child that i'm just completely ignoring i've got shame and i'm just performing my way out of these different things and just mm-hmm. focusing on the external yeah. but when she said you've got to feel this something just kind of hit my heart and mm. and i like i've said to you in the past shannon that i burned out in a day as I started to recognize and feel all these things from not having taken care of my internal world you know overnight I I got depressed within the next week I had shingles I was laid up in bed Mm -hmm. and and it kind of started a a different journey for me from that point so I want those who are listening to just resonate because so many of us have a vision whether you feel like God's told you something or your heart just leapt towards something and you're living for a purpose, you're living for a cause and you've been going and all of a sudden it's like, there's a moment that you cannot go anymore. What are some of those symptoms that you think may have been going on even before your wife said that? Because, you know, we burn out in a day as far as we're consciously aware, but probably I was burning out for a while with just different beliefs and internal things and life experiences. What do you think for other people to start recognizing signs that they might be in burnout or moving in that direction? Yeah, I mean, a a typical one is tiredness. I was Mm -hmm. often tired. I'd have these afternoon slumps, you know, I'd be at work doing different things and just have, have a lot of tiredness, anger, irritation, you know, Mm -hmm. my kids are the cutest things on the planet, you know, and are great kids. And I just should not have been as angry or irritated as I was at them. I just found myself Mm -hmm. having these moments where not that I acted on things, but I just felt so consumed with anger and irritation. Um, and then even I, I recognized weaknesses in my life. Mm-hmm. I just didn't deal with them. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I recognized areas right. that like, oh, this is not the kind of person I want to be. Right. And I just didn't deal with it. I just focused on, I focused elsewhere. Um, for me, those were some, some key issues. I look back, I'm like, wow, major red flags. And, mm -hmm. and then the, the, the last thing would probably be that I did not bring people in. I, oh. I stayed as, as an Island. I knew a lot of people because my personality is a type that like, you know, knows a lot of people, but I didn't bring people in close. Yeah. And, and that was, that was kind of in a sense, a, a bit of a self-help mechanism just to keep powering on with yep. what I'm doing. Yeah. And I hear that a lot in my office that people are usually actually pretty self-aware. We're pretty insightful and we're like, oh, I know I should spend more time with my kids. Or I know I'm kind of preoccupied when people are talking, whether it's family or employees or staff, I'm kind of aware of that, but I don't know how to stop or life is at this fast pace. And we don't really know how to like lean into cultivating our inner world. And unfortunately, just knowing that you're doing it doesn't actually resolve it. And I have so many people in my office that are like, oh, I know, I know I'll work on that. Yeah, I'll get to that. Or I'm trying and very unaware that just knowing it doesn't actually heal and resolve and do the inner work. And so most of the time, it's not until we hit the break and it's like, I can't go on anymore. And like you said, like there was a moment where it was done. Like I could not run at that pace anymore. And my hope is we could get ahead of that for some people listening. If you're listening right now and you've been living at a really fast pace, even if it's good stuff, be aware. Have you been feeling things? Have you been really processing? And again, processing doesn't mean that you label the emotion and you're aware that you should feel it. It means you actually slow down and actually feel it, honor it, and invite people in. So I think there's a real subtle but powerful difference between labeling and acknowledging and moving through at this million mile pace or we can slow down and feel and resonate and heal so that we don't have a tiny little fractures on the inside that we keep putting more pressure, more pressure, more demand, spinning more plates. And before we know it, now there's a huge crash. So my hope is people hopefully will hear this and maybe we could prevent some burnout and or if you're entering into burnout that we can say white flag, white flag, let's deal with this now before your life kind of falls apart. So bring us into this moment, your wife's saying, you need to feel this, you start going into burnout. And then you were saying about shingles. So even some physical health conditions with the burnout, tell us more. You, when you go from high capacity, because mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of capacity to recognizing I've got no capacity. Yeah. First, first up, it was a huge, it, it hit my identity. I went from doing a lot connecting with important people to having energy for nothing mm -hmm. and so as it as it started affecting my identity realizing oh my goodness i i draw so much worth so much value out of what i'm doing what i'm performing <clears throat> i i look back and i think wow i was brought through a process that was that was um what felt tailor-made for me in many ways, you know, even just being in, in bed, having shingles, I started just, mm. you know, two weeks of laying there. 
I, I kind of started learning what it meant to just rest and have stillness and just be, I'm not doing anything to the point where when I got over shingles, I, I started having that as a daily practice in my life where I would just actually sit and meditate. I do centering prayer meditation for me. I would, I would focus on Jesus. And I mean, it, it was a unique period because I was in a process of even deconstructing a lot of the, the things that I had believed a lot in my life, but I did, yeah. I did focus on Jesus, just centering prayer, cast everything else out of my mind. And just, I'd take 30, 40 minutes at the start of the day and just sit there in silence. And so kind of learning that posture of rest and stillness was huge. And, and then stepping into radical vulnerability and authenticity coming from a place of of really just it's all outward and as I started bringing people in and and even I had always had this posture of just strength I'd had this facade of strength up and actually saying you know what I'm going to be completely okay with being weak in front of in front of different people and it it created huge shifts in my life huge shifts having having stillness having that radical vulnerability and authenticity brought into it as well um we're we're game changers you know we were i was able to release start releasing things that i had carried without even really realizing it for many years just by not having to have that facade of strength up talk with my wife with close friends with others you know and I was like, why have I not done this before, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And why don't we have a culture that promotes that as just normal, healthy soul maintenance? Absolutely. So if someone's listening to this right now and they're thinking, gosh, I've lived with this facade for a long time. I am the strong one. I'm there for my family, my kids, my relationships, my business, my nonprofit, my ministry, whatever it might be. And that could be really scary. What are some things that you would encourage in those first steps of lowering your guard letting yourself be vulnerable? And two, how do we choose the right people to let in behind that guard? Because obviously we can't do it with everybody, but doing it with the right safe people can be a game changer that really brings healing and fostering life. Yeah. You know, for me as a leader, I'd always been the strong one. Mm -hmm. So even, even kind of getting in touch personally with with that was was difficult and so the easiest person to start off with was my wife and mm-hmm. so and and even that like i'm i'm i even rehash things from you know decades earlier like mm-hmm. where i just like and i and i literally had a time over two days where i said i want to share with you all the the junk of my life and mm-hmm. you know leave no stone unturned. And so I did. And some of it was even difficult things for her to hear. And it was in a lot of me not sharing it had been, I didn't want to hurt her, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I I had some different pastor friends in my life that I I brought in. And then I had close friends. I remember inviting close friends over for breakfast one day. (laughs) I said, thank you all for coming. I've actually invited you here to share with you some of the worst things that I (laughs) I have done. And I did. And it was, for me, I'd already shared my my wife, some other leaders in my own life. And, and so by the time I brought them over, I'd started experiencing the liberating effects already of releasing these things that I had just like carried. It was kind of, you know, if you think of your life as a garden and 
if you have some big rocks in your garden, like we've been gardening recently a lot in our yard, and there's oftentimes weeds coming out from under these different rocks. And yeah. as you remove these different stones, you can get to the roots of these things and pull it out. Mm. And so for me, bringing things into the light, you know, bringing down that facade of strength and just sharing vulnerably mm. took these stones out and we're able to see these things torn up from the roots so by the time i'm having friends over for breakfast i'm like wow this is amazing i'm actually feeling life moving yeah. through areas of my body that have had been dormant for so long so good yeah oh my gosh That's what I, would, I would say honestly just to find those close group of friends you know to the point now i'm happy to share with whole big groups of people about mm -hmm. the different journeys i've gone through but in those kind of more initial tender stages, I'd say definitely just your family, if, you know, yeah. if you have that kind of relationship and close friends. So the natural question I hear a lot of men more than women, but I would say more men um, ask is, does it undermine people's respect of you? Do they see you differently? Do you have a harder time leading? Um, is it hard to feel like you can still be a man if you actually reveal all of that? Or does it actually have an inverse impact? For me, the the impact of that season, I I would, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. The mm -hmm. the ways that it allowed me to to step into wholeness, mm -hmm. the res I actually gained a whole lot more respect from my wife, close friends, family, yeah, and it actually created a, new, a season of new birth within me as well. Yeah. I had been one one way and in a sense a lot of that was were you know different different walls or different coping mechanisms or things that i'd put up that kept people at a distance mm -hmm. where and it kept me at a distance from myself i didn't i i was outside that barrier even understanding myself yeah um as a christian god you know i wasn't connecting with 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 god and then my friends were just seeing that that barrier, but coming into a season where I was able to understand myself, other people were able to see me and I, and I really recognized while wow, they see me for me, not for what I'm projecting, but me for me yeah. and are loving me in that wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. And then it allowed me to actually step into areas of my own strengths that I hadn't been harnessing because I wasn't actually living out the fullness of who I was. So, so good. And I'll just, notice even for myself, like I was seeing eight people yesterday. So I'm a psychologist and a leadership coach. And so I had four appointments, a break to work on a project and then four more appointments and then more meetings at night. And so I just had this little feeling. It was so subtle. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And so in that moment, I am normally pretty driven on accident. I have no idea where it comes from. But in the moment, I was like, nah, I have commitments, right? I had made a commitment that during that break, I need to work on a project. And so by realizing, okay, tomorrow I am recording an episode with Jeremy on burnout, the irony would be for me to push myself right now, instead of just heeding this small little thought and this feeling of like, I don't want to do this. And so instead, going on a walk, being in nature, just laying down and centering myself and saying, hey, God, would you pour back into me? 
I don't realize how much I pour out because I love what I do. I'm really good at it. And whoever you are listening right now, you're probably really good at what you do. That this comes natural to you. It's a vision. It's a passion. And yet, if you don't take those mini breaks or little margin in between, you're starting to run on fumes. So like Jeremy, he had a God vision. He was on his right assignment, not doing anything wrong, but the lack of self-care, the lack of heeding the natural rhythm of being on and then being off, being on and then being off. And so yesterday, as my normal flow, it wasn't a, an abnormally long day. It was a normal day. By taking that little break, I have felt so much more refreshed because normally I see clients Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I do podcasting and writing and speaking on Thursday and Friday. And then Saturday is book writing. And, and then I didn't realize, even though these are good things that bring joy, if we don't pause and start to heed and pay attention and go, Hey, how is my soul? Just those subtle little things. It's very easy to override it. And like Jeremy said, we can accidentally just kind of start to numb our heart and not feel things and not realize what's going on inside. And it doesn't have to be a whole decade of processing, right? Like it could be for me yesterday, it was 15 minutes, went on a walk, total silence. Nobody needs or wants anything. Turn my phone off and I'm just chilling and visualizing God pouring liquid love like a waterfall in my heart. And then everything just clicked into place and I was far more effective and efficient than if I had, which I normally do, I'll just work, 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 work. And so if you're listening right now, one, we want you to hear that you're normal. We all do it. Two, if you'll just heed those small little nudges and listen to it, Three, enter into radical vulnerability and healthy relationship with the right people. And I love his point that they'll actually respect you more. And I found that as well, that a lot of people, especially high achievers and leaders have a hard time letting that mask down because they're used to being the strong one. And that's part of our identity. But when you lay that down, people resonate with you more. They respect you more. There's more of a commonality that you have permission to speak into deeper places in their life because they can see that you're modeling that. And so I love what he's sharing. And I just want to give us some practical things that we can walk away with. Jeremy, are there any other last things that you would share that you would say, hey, I would love for people to get out of burnout and even prevent burnout in these ways? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is, and, and we've probably oftentimes heard the phrase, you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. And, and so being able to operate from who you are and, you know, where you recognize your identity for me, it's going, Hey, I'm, I'm loved by God. I'm a good son of God. I yeah. operate from his love, not for his love. And so yeah. oftentimes I'll, I'll take time usually once in the course of a week to just kind of gauge, okay, do I, who am I? And am I living from, from that or am I living for mm -hmm. something else? Yeah. So for me, that's, that's a question. That's a weekly question just to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, kind of operating from the right posture and, and like you said, you know, just to recognize the red flags for me, if mm -hmm. I, if I start recognizing some different red flags, I go, okay, let me start taking time to rest. Let me start taking those, those moments just to be. And, 
and uh and then also just recognizing to bring the right people in yeah you know? that's so needed yeah. and are there practical things that you found because now you are full-time you're back in your lane you've come out of the shingles and the burnout what yeah. are things that you would recommend now that somebody's back in full steam how do we live in right alignment and i know we've covered some of it but if there's yeah. any last little bits you'd encourage people with yeah you know, we can, we can have all the great goals in the world, but if we don't have the right habits in place, mm -hmm. then, then we're not going to actually achieve those different things. And so for me, it was just from that season, it, I instituted a number of different habits into my life, which for the most part have carried me through. Like I still take every single day, times of just silence, times of being, mm -hmm. I make a point to always have honesty and openness and in my relationships and and then when I have seasons of red flags you know which I had probably four or five months ago I hit a point where I was having having a heart things happen and I realized okay we've got a nonprofit still I'm you know pastoring at church we've got Airbnb businesses Amazon businesses there's just a there's still a lot of things that I'm doing yeah. and and I just kind of kind of looked at different things and said, okay, I'm going to actually cut these different things out mm. and be able to move forward healthily. So I love that yeah. because a lot of times we carry the good of the past and we just try to keep adding more onto the list yeah. instead of saying, okay, what is ready to be pruned and yeah. what can I do that streamlines so that I'm excellent and I have tons of energy and capacity for this one thing so that then I have capacity for my loved ones, the people in my life, joy, laughter, adventure, and my life doesn't just be consumed with all the things of the past season I'm trying to add on to the current season. So yeah. I love that, uh, just practical, right? Like we have to kind of do a reassessment each season. Yeah. It's important to realize what do I need to scale back on? What do I need to invest more in? And I think that you address this. So many of my clients go through a time of crisis. They develop really great habits. And then we get into like the rhythm of life and we forget some of those and they fall by the wayside until we're in crisis again. My encouragement is there's some things like brushing your teeth every day that it's just wise to do that for your sake and everybody else around you. It's good to brush your teeth. It is also good to be mindful, to steward your soul, to be balanced, to recognize the rhythm and ebb and flow. By doing those habits and disciplines, now you're setting your life up so that you can succeed and you don't have to go from burnout to burnout to burnout. And so many times we're nearsighted by just focusing on the near goal and not recognizing the long-term investment that you are your greatest investment. You are your greatest tool and asset. If you burn you up, then you don't have you later to invest in anyone else. And now everybody's having to kind of like rally around you. So if we are wise with ourselves early on, now we have more capacity to love and invest in the world around us. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This has been really, really helpful. Such an honor and privilege. Thank you, Shannon. I've enjoyed it. Oh, me too. Thank you, everybody. And we are excited for you to develop healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, so that you're preventing burnout. And if you're in it, which we all do, here's some strategies of how to get out. Bye, guys. <laughs>